Luke 11.1. 1. So Yeshua was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. So one of the things you should learn right there is praying is a skill that can be taught. Some people are better at it than others. I freely admit that. I am not a very eloquent prayer. I'm sort of a engineer prayer, you know, just get the words out. But it is a skill that may be taught. So then he gives the Luke version of what we know as the Lord's Prayer or Our Father. But then he goes on to verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend? Right. So the parable of the friend at midnight is in the context of prayer. And for those of you who were here last time, remember that I said to you that these parables that he is speaking in Luke have both a homiletic application and an eschatological application. In the Good Samaritan, which is the one that's just before this, what I said is Yeshua is himself the Samaritan. Yeshua is an outcast. Yeshua is a half-breed, born of God and born of man. Samaritans are half-breeds, etc. So the Good Samaritan then is Yeshua himself. So now what we have is, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. So the first question is, which one of the two characters here is Yeshua? The guy in the house that's got the bread. That's Yeshua. Because remember, this is in the context of prayer. Who is doing the praying here? The guy that needs the bread. So the guy that needs the bread is us. The one who has the bread is Yeshua. Which one of you has a friend? We'll go to a midnight and say, and so forth. And of course, the expected answer to that is nobody has such a friend. Nobody that you would call a friend would behave like that. And that's cultural. I originally got this from a book called, I think, Poet and Peasant by a guy named Kenneth Bailey. He's got it 99% correct, but I think he's got one thing wrong, and that's what I figured out today from the Korah passage. So I'm going to go through and explain what he says, and then I'll explain why I don't think he's right. And by the way, where is Yeshua when he's telling these stories? He is going through small towns and villages. He is not in the metropolis of Jerusalem at this point. So he's talking to people in the context of people who live in small villages. And the culture there is when a guest comes into town, it is the responsibility of the town to host the stranger. Some person is the lead person. In other words, I've got the house, I've got the room, he's staying with me. So I got the lead, but if somebody needs bread to set before this guy, if somebody needs whatever to extend this person hospitality, it's the responsibility of the whole town to make sure that what is needed is available. Very often, small towns will have a single oven. So they'll build one fire and everybody brings their dough and does the baking. It would not be acceptable in that culture to set anything less than a full loaf in front of a guest. You don't serve guests leftovers. It's incumbent upon you to set a full new loaf before him. And the guy that the guest is staying with doesn't have one, but he knows somebody in the village that was baking that day who does have one. 
And so he goes and he knocks and he says, I've got a guest. I need bread to set before him. The excuses this guy offers are transparent lies, obviously just fluff, and everybody knows that they're just fluff. People listening to the story recognize that there isn't anybody in town that would react that way. So now we're down to verse 8. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And the problem is this word impudence. There's sort of three places you can go with this. Thing number one, much of the Christian church goes to persistence in prayer. If you just keep nagging God long enough, he's going to change his mind and give you what he wants, just like any two-year-old. So that's sort of perspective number one. That is not, I don't believe, correct. Nor does Bailey believe it's correct. Interpretation number two is Bailey says that this may be a mistranslation. He looks at the Syriac Bible, and there's a different word used in Syriac. And the word there is shame or social pressure. In other words, I'm not going to give you anything because I'm a friend. The reason I'm going to give you something is because if I don't, you're going to go tell everybody in the village what a skinflint I am, and my reputation will be damaged. So even though I won't give you because you're my friend, in order to maintain my status in the village, I will go ahead and give it to you anyway. So that's number two. What I finally figured out is number three. And let's go back now to Korah. Numbers 16:44. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Get away from the midst of this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. So what are God's instructions? Get out of the way. What does Moses do? He does not get out of the way. He parks himself right in front of God and he does not move. In other words, he does not do what God told him to do. We have the same thing that happens on the mountain with the golden calf. God says to Moses, get down from here that I may destroy them. Moses does not move. He says, all right, if it's going to take me being gone for you to destroy them, I'm not going anywhere. I mean, he doesn't say that, but that's what his actions say. I'm not moving. Go back to Abraham. When the three angels come to Abraham over Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abraham says, God, you can't destroy them. Not if there's any righteous there. That would be against your character. You can't do that. And so we have this negotiation. All right, how many good people do we need before I can finally destroy them? The point I'm making is, in all three of those instances, what happens is a man of God stands up to God and says, no, you can't do what you say you're going to do because it would be contrary to your character. Come back now to the friend at midnight. What the friend at midnight is saying is, you won't give it to me because I'm a friend. But I tell you that I'm looking at you and I'm saying your character is to be generous with me and I'm not moving until you do. So what I'm saying here is this impudence that's being talked about here is not disrespect. It is standing up to God and saying to God, your character is such that you can't do this or your character is such that you will do this. And I'm going to stand here until you behave in accordance with your own character. And in the case of Moses, in the case of Abraham, God says, you're right. 
what Yeshua is doing here is he's giving us the same lesson. What he's saying to us is the heavy hitters in the Bible, when God says he is going to do something that is not in concert with his character or with his reputation, because remember what Moses says at the mountain is, wait a minute, God, we've let the whole world know that you brought this people out of Egypt. And now they're going to say he wasn't able to bring do what he said he was going to do, bring them into the land. Your reputation is going to be shot, and you will not be able to do in the world the thing that you say you want to do. And this is the same thing with this friend at midnight. If you don't give me what you're supposed to give me, your reputation is going to be shot, because your reputation says this, and you're behaving like that, and you can't do that. So I'm suggesting to you that this friend at midnight is, if you will, a midrash on Korah, a midrash on Moses standing on top of the mountain, a midrash on Abraham and the three visitors. The guy that wrote the book, he's a standard Sunday Christian. And standard Sunday Christians have been inculcated with God says something, you salute and say, yes, sir. Moses doesn't always do that. Mostly he does. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, this is not a constant argument between God and Moses. Mostly he does. But occasionally he says, no. What you want to do is not consistent with your character. And in order to make that work, by the way, you need to understand the character of God. The character of God is not what you hope it will be. It is what it is. Moses knows that character. Abraham knew that character. And if you know that character, what this parable says is you are entitled to stand up and say, I need the bread. Understand that this parable is in the context of prayer. And I will suggest that proper Hebrew Jewish prayer is somewhat different than what Christians understand. You're allowed to argue with God. Now, you may not always prevail. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's God and you're not. He's the one that's got the bread. So what he chooses to do is up to him. But you're certainly well within a proper relationship to argue with him. Please consider becoming a sponsor. Please visit crimsonthread.com slash purpose for an explanation of what we're doing and perhaps to become a sponsor. Thank you.